Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Simply Bitcoin IRL. Today, we have a very special guest. We have William Kazarin. He developed the Damus app, which is one of the most popular apps that people use to interact with Noster. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I think a lot of people don't know the face behind this amazing app uh, that was built for Noster. So I have so many questions. You guys know me. I'm a geopolitics guy. So I have so many technical questions about Noster, what the future of social media is, you know, what his outlook is on this. Of course, we, we all remember the whole thing with the app store, how they wanted to take away the zaps and all that stuff. So I have all those questions lined up. It's going to be a great show. But before we jump into it, I want to give a very special shout out to the Bitcoin company that makes this show possible, helps us stay on the air. Swan Bitcoin, it's the best place to build your Bitcoin stack. It's being built by Bitcoiners. It's for Bitcoiners. They incentivize you to dollar cost average, and they also incentivize you to take self-custody. I highly recommend checking out swanbitcoin.com today, and you can go to swan.com slash simply. If you use that referral code, you buy $100 worth of Bitcoin, they'll give you $10 worth of Bitcoin for free. So check out Swan Bitcoin today. Anyways, guys, no more delay. Let's bring up William on stage. William, uh, how you doing, man? I, this usually never happens. Usually we start it late. I'm very glad <laughs> that we started a little bit early. Um, but how you doing, bro? Uh, this is crazy. So, you know, you're relatively unknown uh, a couple years ago, and uh, you're just propelled into stardom. Uh, because you're proof of work, man, uh, which is awesome. That's the way that Bitcoin should be. That's I love the Bitcoin ecosystem for that. So before I start getting into any of the questions about Noster and, and Domus and all that stuff, how has that been going from zero to 100 in a very short period of time? Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, not my first open source project, but it's definitely one of my first projects that kind of blew up. Um, and this is actually isn't very, it's not very common. If you're like a regular open source developer, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to get people to interested in your, your project or your library. Um, but yeah, it seemed to struck a chord with this one. See, people seem to love it. Obviously the, the social aspect, um, you know, has driven it a lot. You know, we, we, we've never had like a social network that we can build on our own before. We both, we've always kind of relied on, you know, corporations and big tech for that. So now we have this protocol that we're building on and, and it just feels very communal. It feels like everyone's kind of like building it together. There's a lot of there's a lot of passion, a lot of grassroots, a lot of Bitcoiners. So yeah, it's just tons of fun. Yeah, and uh, I I kind of want to focus on that a little bit, right? Which is this this idea that it kind of struck a chord, right? We're living in this uh, age of censorship, man. Um, you know, like in the and again, not to get into politics or anything, but you know, you see it in the United States where. You know, if you have certain political beliefs or whatever, you know, you're getting deplatformed, you're getting deplatformed on YouTube, on Twitter, but the Twitter files came out where the U.S. government was literally asking Twitter to censor certain people, even though that was specifically against the First Amendment. It's never been as highlighted as it is today, the importance of, of you know, of, of Noster, of, of, of also the app that you built for people to interact with it. Uh, in, in an easier way. So, you know, uh, it, it, you talk a little bit about that. What, what's your take on on everything that's going on, all this censorship? Uh, was it was it the inevitable result of centralization? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's pretty, it, it was a pretty weird situation in the early days of the internet where, you know, we had these protocols where things were mostly decentralized. We had websites, we had email. Um, that's kind of how the internet was built. And then we got into this weird state in like 2000, 2000 to 2010 where, 
you know, these companies started building these monopolies on network effects. And that became very powerful because it's really hard to leave their, their platform once you're in it. Um, and with that much power, you know, they have, they have the power to, you know, censor and, and control people, um, usually just because of advertising money, right? They just, they just want to make the most money on advertising. So, you know, if you're saying something that the advertisers don't, don't like or don't want to be associated with, then, you know, they have no problem, like, removing because, like, they're just profit. And they're a business. Like, that's what, you know, that's what, that, that's what they care about. Um, but this just, you know, we shouldn't be building our civilization on the, the, you know that that state of things it's just kind of ridiculous like you know the the the, the country's you know the mix america specifically was built on you know very specific foundations of free speech and things like that like you said so when we're when we're transitioning into the cyberspace like we should try to re, you know retain some of those properties instead of just like building our speech on top of these corporations which doesn't make any sense so and, uh, yeah so i think uh, it, we just got into a weird state and now, you know, people, I think because of Bitcoin, people started to care about protocols more. Um, and so people are more open to this idea of building on protocols. So, you know, social networking just made so, so much sense. Yeah. And, and I love the last part that you said, which is because of Bitcoin, uh, people started to care a little bit more. And it's interesting that you say that because it was uh, not too long ago, we had a CEO of Start9, also a good friend of mine, Matt Hill. And he was talking about it. He's like, look, like, you know, the whole thing about Start9, which love the node, personally use it myself, it's my daily driver. And, um, and you know, it's, it's about the idea of sovereign computing, the way that he was talking about it. And he said something very similar. He said, look, like Bitcoin, you know, the, the mere fact of, you know, not having to trust someone else's copy of the blockchain, trusting your own copy of the blockchain, was kind of like the Trojan horse to get people to start thinking about, you know, sovereign computing and, you know, running their own, uh, you know, server, so to speak, or personal server, so to speak, uh, before Bitcoin, you know, that conversation would have never have taken place. So it's interesting how Bitcoin kind of started this whole movement, so to speak, sovereignty, uh, the, <laughs> the idea of, you know, not, uh, you know, censorship resistance and all that stuff. So what did it, what attracted you to, uh, to Noster, uh, in the first place? Like what, what was it about Noster, uh, that you wanted to work on versus working on something like Bitcoin? Yes. I mean, I, I got into Bitcoin pretty early, like 2010 and I've always just found it. Bitcoin to me always represented this idea that, you know, we can actually reclaim sovereignty in cyberspace again. And, you know, it's not, impossible to do so right when you know bitcoin set the the standard um then it became like well we should be doing this in every everywhere online right why do why do we give away you know our our data why do we give away like allow these companies to control our speech or allow us to you know say what we're allowed to say so something that i always it just seemed like the natural next step after bitcoin in the sense that when you know we have free money but you you know, what are we building our, our free speech online on top of? Like, what's the protocol? You know, with money, we had Bitcoin, but we didn't really have one for speech, um, at least online. So, you know, the first thing I looked at was Mastodon, and I was like, okay, that might that might work. But it turned out Mastodon and, uh, Fed, and the uh, activity pub was just turned out to be worse than Twitter somehow because it ended up creating these little factions online where, where if you join an instance and the instance admin didn't like you, they could just ban you and you'd lose all your followers. So I'm like, well, that's just not going to work <laughs> at scale. So... Um, yeah, and then I found this project by a Bitcoiner, um, Fiat Jeff, and he was working on Ellen Ural at the time. Um, and, you know, I was working on Lightning at the time. I was working on C Lightning. Um, and then I'm like, well, this seems kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, I started playing with, built a client in, on a weekend, and 
I was using an iPhone at the time and decided to build a client. And it was the, the first mobile client. And then I was like, I was just amazed at how simple it was to build on, on this protocol, unlike most other protocols. Um, but so I was just, yeah, I got, I got hooked right away. So it, and let's talk about, uh, you know, Noster in itself a little bit, uh, you know, for anyone who's not familiar how it works, uh, you know, how, how does the centralization of it work? Like, is it very similar to Bitcoin in the sense that people are running nodes? Um, how does that work? Like what ensures, uh, what ensures uh, censorship resistance and, you know, uh, for the thing to operate the way it does? Yeah, so like if you're, comp this is a Bitcoin podcast, so if we're going to comp compare it to Bitcoin, um, it's quite different than from Bitcoin in the sense that, you know, with, with Bitcoin, you have a single ledger and everyone's trying to agree on on that state of the ledger. Um, and to maintain uh, decentralized updating of the ledger, you need this process, which is proof of work and mining. Um, but yeah, but this is a very special thing. Like this is a very unique thing. You really only need it for money and ledger. It's actually a very inefficient system that you don't really want to build on top of. It would be really silly to have one global social network that's on a blockchain and you build blocks. So yeah, so Nostra is not a blockchain. It's not like Bitcoin at all. Um, so the way that you maintain or the way that you build your censorship resistance is um, I can give an example with, um, let's say if you're using Twitter or X now, um, if you if you want to send a tweet, the way that it works is that you send it to, you know, you compose your tweet and then you send it to a single server and that's typically run by Twitter. Um, and then, you know, they have the unilateral choice to, to, to accept or reject or, or deplatform you. Um, so the, the biggest issue there is that single server. Uh, so the, the what Nostra just provides actually a pretty simple solution, which is instead of sending it to one server controlled by one person or one entity, you actually send it to, let's say, five or ten different relays so that even if one server bans you, it doesn't matter because other people can get your messages from all those other servers. Uh, so just that simple idea, um, you, we can build on that and start building these more decentralized communication um, systems like social networking. But you can build more than social networking on top of this. Uh, and what would the what would those things be? Yeah, so uh, you, now you have my curiosity. <laughs> yeah, so actually, um, you know, for, you know, Nostra is always mentioned in, in the context of social media, and that was like a big motivating factor. But in reality, all it, all it is is it, it's a store and forward network for um, kind of like messages of any kind. So uh, the way that the way that this works is that uh, the, the typical kind for like a tweet would be kind one. And so the kind is like a piece of data on, on the message, which is just a number and you can change it to anything you want. So you could have like kind one, three, three, seven, and it can represent anything. For, it could be like application data. It could be, um, you know, some people, anyway, we can get into examples, but uh, one of the first things I added to the protocol, which it didn't have the time when I, when I joined was like uh, just likes. So if you wanted to like a post, there was no way to do that when I, when I first joined. So I created a simple spec that says, okay, um, you can, you know, create a new note of kind seven or yeah, I think it's seven. Uh, and then you just reference another note and then there you go. You got to like, um, so this, this network is very extensible and that means anyone can join and, and kind of extend it and extend the functionality. Um, another thing I added was Zaps. So Zaps is just a receipt, a lightning, uh, a lightning payment receipt. So um, now on Nostra, on all these Nostra clients, you will see a, a little a Zap button which you can click to um, send lightning to people, um, and then it's actually shown on the post. You can actually sum up these Zaps, and um, so yeah. So it's a very flexible um, protocol for like decentralized notes and communication. Yeah, and no, and dude, uh, interesting, interesting. So do you? And one of the things I wanted to ask you, William, is, uh, and I think you you were touch, you touched upon it like in the very very beginning. Uh, with the concept of the network effect, right? And, yeah. you know, Twitter's now X, very strange, uh, you know, but whatever, um, the naming. Um, 
it's very, very strong, man. You know, like you have everyone on there uh, as a, you know, as a YouTuber, as a content video content creator, right? You, you have something very similar with YouTube. Like, you know, yeah, the Rumble's dope. I could upload videos there. We could live stream there. But the real numbers are going to come on YouTube. You know, and that sucks because you're put in this predicament where it's like, you you know, the platform that has a gun to your head, metaphorically, of course, is also the platform that you're going to get the most amount of engagement and whatnot. So do you see that like and we all know that network are very, very difficult to break, right? Like, you know, just even the mere fact of another platform catching up to YouTube, of course, they can keep banning people and they can, you know, they can self-destruct, so to speak. Um, but is that something that you think about, right? The, the, how will a, a platform like Noster, um, catch up to Twitter's network <clears throat> effects? Yeah. So I see, um, you know, maybe there's a similar question even on the Bitcoin side of, you know, can Bitcoin's network effects catch up with fiat money? And I think so just because it's a better idea. And over time, more and more people adopt this better idea. Um, and, and, you know, and, and Bitcoin has a very strong, like, you know, <laughs> once people get it, they want to encourage other people to get it. Um, so, you know, if you want to break existing systems, then you need those types of effects. So the way that Nostra does it is, is a little bit different. Um, it's not incentivizing it via, like, greed or anything like that. Um, it's actually just um, when you build on top of this network, you actually gain everyone else, everyone else's network effect who's already built on the network. So what does that mean? Um, so what I was talking about before, when, you know, on, on, in the, uh, the activity pub case, the Macedon case, if you were to build your following and you got banned from an instance, you know, you lose all your, all your followers because the reason you lose your followers is because you don't actually control, you don't own your data in that network. So the big, the fundamental shift in Nostra is that, um, every piece of data you put into the network, it's owned by you in the sense that it's signed by your private key. Um, and everyone else can validate that. You know, there's no trust in the system, so that if no relays can't send you um, invalid data, as, long as if your clients are verifying it. Um, so this is actually a really important property, because you know the one. The, anyway, that's one important part of property. Uh, the other important property is once people start owning their data and start putting their data into these networks, they feel more confident about putting their social graph into this network. Um, and then, the, so more and more connections tend to tend to happen on this network. And then, so let's say I'm building an application and I want to, you know, I, I want to create a new chat app or a new social app. Um, when I create an app, I just, I get everyone because it's like a open network and, it, and there's network effects that already exist. Um, I can create a new viral app that kind of, expands on that network effect. So it's like this viral nature, the, the protocol has a very viral nature to it that, um, which I think might start steamrolling, <laughs> um, but we'll see. Uh, but that's, I think that's really important because if you don't have that, then it's not gonna, it's not gonna work. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Anyway, so let's talk about you, the app that you developed, which by the way, I was, I, wa I say was, and I'll get to why I say was in a second. I am a huge fan, but I was an even bigger fan when the zaps were enabled, which I know are not your fault, but it was awesome, dude. Every single time we dropped a new Simply Bitcoin episode or a Simply Bitcoin IRL, I would literally copy paste, put it in there. It gets zapped like a thousand sats. It was amazing. It was such a good. It was such a good feeling. Yeah. Um. So, and as an Apple user, like, what the fuck, you know? And then I have another thing. Maybe this is a crazy question, but. I think if Steve Jobs was a, was alive, man, like I don't think he would go for that. To be honest, um, anyways, maybe I'm naive and crazy, but dude, I love <laughs> this. It, it is is it's amazing. Um, 
you know, I, I'm a huge fan. I personally, personally use it. Um, so yeah, so, uh, uh, you know, a lot to unpack there. Uh, <laughs> dude, what, what was your reaction to the, the Apple thing? Like that's such bullshit, bro. Like I was enjoying that so much, you know, like well, being actually, able to, I, uh, go ahead. I actually have good news on this area in this front. So uh, a bunch of other Nostra clients are trying different things. And there's another client called Current. As of like probably a week ago, they got Note Zaps on the App Store and they and they did something very interesting. Um, so they provide an option to buy a small amount of sats. It's an optional purchase, but you can buy sats within the app. And apparently this might be okay with the App Store. Um, they didn't tell me that when, when I talked to them. So they maybe this is like maybe a new decision within the company. Or maybe they just weren't clear when they were talking to me. But if this is an option, there's potentially we can get um, note tabs back into Domus. But we'd have to provide a way to like, you know, sell people sats probably at a horrible rate. <laughs> um, some, so we're looking at that right now to get because get I 100 percent agree. The, the app is just a thousand times more special once you have those notes apps. It just feels so good when you're zapping people. Yeah, dude, it was it was it was so it was so nice. It was so nice because you were able to monitor because like if you're able to like normally like what you do to monetize content is you have to go through KYC, you have to fill out a form, yeah. an approval form, whatever. Like just the mere fact of like just connecting wallet of Satoshi or whatever, whatever your wallet of choice is, and then like immediately just got like just stuff going in from you don't know who it's from it could be from anywhere around the world like it just it was it was freaking awesome so does does that concern you a lot uh, at all that yes like we're building open source software you know we're bitcoin super exciting all of this stuff but maybe not on the desktop side of things but on the iphone side of things specifically since it is like kind of like a walled garden the apple store the app store on on there uh, does that worry you a little bit? Even on the Bitcoin wallet side, I actually predicted back late of last year, I said, uh, but I said it was going to be governments. I had no idea it was going to be Apple. But I said, <laughs> look, the, the, the fact that this is such like a bot, like this is such like a single point of failure is going to be used by governments. That was my prediction, like against Bitcoin wallets. Fast forward, it wasn't governments and it wasn't against <laughs> a Bitcoin wallet. It was Apple themselves and it was against uh, the Domus app, right? Uh, so that was, does that worry you at all, you know? Yeah, the issue isn't necessarily that they're doing it. The issue is that there's too many people who use Apple. <laughs> like, you know, if we had a more diverse market of, like, you know, phones and things like that, then maybe this wouldn't be an issue. And they'd be like, well, then, you know, those get out-competed and people will eventually, you know, choose the non-Apple option. But their hardware is just too damn good and there's too many damn people who use it. Um so yeah, it's definitely tricky because they have a lot of power. When you said like, oh, I'd be worried about the government or Apple. At this point, I was like, you know, who's the biggest, the more scary entity, and <laughs> at least in digital life, is is probably not the government, but probably Apple because they they're, you know, imagine if imagine if the government says, okay, we're going to take thirty percent tax on all your transactions, like every digital transaction. I mean, they basically do that anyway, but <laughs> these days with inflation tax and stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's kind of I mean, centralized entities of any kind. They are they are risk, but this is why we build it on a protocol and not a specific platform. That's why we, you know, Domus isn't just you know a centralized server that Apple can say what to do. It's like you know, on Domus users can still receive apps from Android users and desktop users. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, it's going to be really hard for them to stop what's 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 coming and what's happening. 
Yeah, and what do you mean it's going to be very difficult for them to stop if if they have this monopoly, so to speak? What do you mean? Well, by they that? they can't they can't stop zaps. Zaps are just a uh, information, right? Zaps are just you know anyone can send you a zap, even if even if Dom even if Apple says Domus, people can't zap other people. Well, they you know they can't stop other people from zapping you on Domus, right? So that's still allowed. Like if there there actually is a the zap button still on a on all the notes or on all the posts in uh, Domus, but you just can't click it. Domus users can't send zaps, but you can still receive zaps just fine. Gotcha. Yeah. So, right, so I know, I think you told me in the beginning that you're a fan of, of Apple product. Does, has this made you an Android maxi? Uh, no, because I don't, I just don't like Android. I just think they're clunky. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a Linux maxi. I love, like, I love my Linux box. Um, I, but I, you know, I love, but I love Mac hardware. I love my AirPods. I love how everything works together so so nicely. Um, they just have really good products. So I just wish they would stick to building hardware and stop, you know, thinking they deserve 30% off every digital transaction peer-to-peer between individuals. It's like, it doesn't make any sense to me, but. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I'm, I'm a huge Apple fan as well. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, it, it kind of sucks. And I, I'm sticking to what I said about Steve Jobs. I think if, if Steve Jobs was still alive, uh, I don't think I don't think they would do this. I really don't think so. Um, anyways. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, if there's if some if some magical company can, comes along and makes hardware as good as Apple and it's like more free freedom and like open source and open hardware, maybe modular hardware, like I would obviously switch. But like. To, to imagine a world where that is going to happen anytime soon, it's just, it's really hard, right? So, yeah, it's expensive to make phones. Like, they, the, you know, there's a reason everything costs so much. It's like a huge investment to get that to that level of quality and to that level of, like, you know, the things to make that require, that are required to make a phone are just insane of that, of that quality, at least. Of course. And then also they have the market for it, right? Which, like, kind of justifies the R&D and just, it's better. Like, at this point, I would say, like, phones are, are better than laptops in a way because you, you could, that you could tell that they've invested so much more money into, you know, making this thing just so convenient in your hand. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And yeah, I, I don't see a world where, you know, how, how old is Apple? It's like 40 years old. Like uh, Microsoft just shit the bed completely. So it's just basically Google versus Apple um, at this point. Anyways, yeah. um all right, so you know we have Elon that uh, that launched, you know that has has his hopes and dreams at making Twitter that has now X.com into the everything app, so to speak. I think that is a horrific idea, uh, just because of you know the censorship concerns. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm getting like little flashbacks of those videos in China. Of the people like scanning their eyeballs to like get on train, like everything's apparently through WeChat over there. Uh, so, what's your take on that? Uh, it's just like it's like combining all the worst ideas from like like just look at what happened to PayPal. You know, it's basically a company from from Elon, and it's just a complete nightmare mode. If you want to see what like CBDC future would be like, just own a PayPal account, and if you say the wrong thing, they'll just literally close it and steal all your money. Um, so it seems like you know that's just gonna be more of that plus. Um, complete KYC identity verification. I just like, I don't know. It's just like, what is he doing? It doesn't make any, it's like, it does makes zero sense. Or, or, you know, maybe some people would, would want to sign up for that, but I don't, I don't know. It's just, it just seems insane to me. Uh, I think, but I really think Nostra really front run the whole um, everything app idea because, you know, you can only really build that on an open protocol that is very interoperable. So I feel, I feel like Nostra is, is the stuff that people are building on Nostra are, are going to become the everything app. 
Interesting. Okay, that that's a bold statement. The people that are building on Noster are gonna are gonna become are, are gonna be the everything. Do you think we'll ever get to a point where the 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 Domus uh, application is gonna be as seamless as the Twitter application is today? Uh, there's no reason why it can't be. You know, it's really just developer resources. It's mostly just me working on it, and I feel like you know I got pretty close. It's not as fast, but like that's just a matter of like hammering away and making it faster. But um, yeah, there's. I'm working on new technology right now that's going to improve like syncing between um, between phones and even potentially making phones into relays themselves so that it's be more peer to peer. Um, so there's a lot of technologies that, that are yet to be built out. But yeah, I, I do truly believe that um, Nostra is, has the best shot at being the everything app because, you know, look at look at what happened like with the web once you know we had a way to have these protocols that we can build on and, and everyone was building different applications and you know in some sense i see http as like the everything app for applications at least on the web it's a way of connecting all these different different things um so nostra is just a more powerful way of doing the web um it's, it's kind of like a new yeah a new form of web which is instead of web, instead of documents instead of web pages you have these applications that we're building on top of and, and then the data within the applications are all shared um yeah, so it's like a pretty profound technology that will lead to a lot of interesting um, use cases like that, like the everything app. Yeah, um, interesting, interesting. So, do you do you? It sounds like you need help. Do you need help on on Noster? Is it, if anyone, any open source developers out there, uh, you know, uh, is that something that you are interested in and you're Thousand, looking for? Yes. So go to damas.io/code and. You know, we have like 600 issues open. If you want to start hacking on Domus, it's completely GPL open source, free software. Um, yeah, let's. And I feel like if we, that's kind of been my goal in the past like two or three months. Is just kind of build an open source. Like I want to, I want to be like the Linux of, of like Nostra in the sense. Just like look at how many people contribute to Linux. There's like thousands of developers. Um, they've really. It's it's an insane project. I want to get. I want to get. We need that. We need that scale if we're going to beat these corporations. We need a lot of people working on it. So, yeah, I've been trying. I've been specifically trying to set up Domus for to make it easier for contributors to contribute. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of other open source projects where you can kind of jump in or even just build your own project. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's a huge dev community. So, we'll, so we'll I have a question for you. So Twitter is obviously a business. Um, you know, it relies on sponsors and, you know, now it's direct subscription model and, you know, any type of way that Elon's going to try to, you know, try to figure out how to monetize this thing. Um, what is the, what is the business model for Noster? Like what, you know, like, uh, how do you make money from Domus? Is that, is that completely, uh, you know, is that just completely contributor based, like people supporting you? Um, it, what's the monetization aspect of it or is there none? So actually, you know, almost like the very first month I've launched, when I launched zaps, um, I was probably making 5,000 to 10,000 bucks a month on zaps. And that's just like, I, I don't have that many, I maybe have a hundred thousand followers, but in terms of like influencer people, I'm not like that big. So I was just picturing a world where people are, um, actually more and more people on this. I was, I, like more and more people are joining the network and this network effects gets bigger and bigger and, and lots more people are on lightning and maybe buying sats through the app and just like zapping people who are um who they like i just think the value for value is such a powerful model <laughs> in in this system we just have to hit a certain scale for it to like be like in nuts amounts of money like the amount of money people are making on the on, tw on the twitter side is, is pretty high right now just because there's so much advertising money but i feel like if everyone like 
if we had a couple hundred million people on, on Astro, um, or even just like a 10 million people or something, everyone's zapping, like I think it, it could be, get pretty crazy. How's the growth, by the way? It's, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to, to um, track that. Like one example of this is basically a large part of Japan, uh, like there's like a Japanese sub subculture of like Nostra users now. And there's actually, we actually have a, a conference in Japan uh, in, on November 1st, and you can sign up on Nostra.world. It's called Nostrasia. Um, but the reason why it's kind of hard to measure is because they actually have their own relays. And we don't actually see a lot of their activity on the main relay, on like the North American relays, because there's activity going on in the country and we don't even see it. Um, and that's kind of the cool thing about this protocol is that you can have these pockets of like geo, geo pockets that have their own relays. And, um, and you might not even, so, so there, there could be n, n number of users and we have no idea how many people are using it. But in terms of like all the pub keys we've seen on the network, I think it's around about a million people. And the growth of that is it's, it's slow and steady. It's not like anything crazy, but um, it's definitely impressive so far. So one of the things I wanted to ask you before we kind of change topics a little bit was the follower count, right? So it's interesting because every time I like press the load button, it like changes. So like I, I, sometimes I have more, sometimes I have less. Like is that, does that have to do with the relays? Like what, what, like I, I, how does that work? Any app that has a follower account is a centralized app because that means there's a central source of truth for how many people follow you. Um, all, the best you can do is like this relay that I'm talking to, like give me all the contact lists on that relay. So contact list is uh, it's just a, another note, it's kind three, and it basically just has all the pub keys that you follow. So if you want to get everyone who follows you, you actually have to pull down everyone's contact list to see if you're on the list, um, which is actually really slow. That's why like it doesn't automatically do it in Domus. Um, and, and of course that will change because depending on which relay you connect to, they're gonna have different sets of contact lists of different people. You know, imagine if I connected to the Japanese relays and pull down, I can actually see everyone in Japan who's following me, right? If they, if they even publicize it. Like, sometimes there's private lists that you can't even see who's following you. So this idea of like a follower count doesn't actually make any sense when you think about it in a decentralized system. Um, anyway, that's been my excuse as to, as to why it's not good in Damas yet. Um, but uh, I, I have some things that I'm working on that, that'll improve it, at least from your local view. Um, so we're actually building a database in Adamus so that it'll start collecting these lists over time. Uh, but and wait, isn't, it, that, isn't that centralization? No. You know, if you're, if you're just a node who's like pulling down stuff from the network and, and everyone, each node will have a different view of the network, right? So like they might be connected to different relays um, and they'll have a different follower account for you. Then, so individually, you'll, you'll all have different counts. Um, and then eventually the idea is that they'll be eventually consistent. If you see a wider and wider view of the network, then you'll have a more and more accurate follower count. And, and that's kind of where Domus is going is that it won't maybe not be accurate at the start, but that over time, the count will get more and more accurate. Gotcha. Interesting. I always wondered that because, you know, I was like, hey, you know, today I have less, today I have more. Uh, and I was like, OK, maybe it's some technical thing that I don't understand. Yeah. It's an interesting, interesting way. Uh, I love the way that you described it. Um, anyways, so another question. Um, so do you, you know, I've heard this theory a thousand times, which is this idea that a lot of the clown world that we're all experiencing right now is so-called peak centralization. Do you do you buy into that theory that we're we're in peak centralization <laughs> society? And now we are, you know, whether you believe in the theory from the sovereign individual, right, which is, you know, the information technologies is really going to change the relationship between the state and the individual, the, the individual and these powerful institutions. 
So do you believe in that theory that we're living through the last days of peak centralization and we're going to decentralize as a society? I mean, I could totally see it going the other way as well. Like imagine if you know, it just gets much, much worse and becomes more, much more dystopian. I don't see why. Um, I think Bitcoin was like the first, you know, light in the darkness <laughs> that I would I would hope people would care about and move toward. Um, but there's no guarantee, right? If, if people don't care about decentralization, then, you know, and people just enjoy being sheep and being sold as data to these <laughs> companies. A lot, actually, the majority of people are fine with that, if you think about it. Most people are just too busy trying to pay their bills to care about decentralization or, or why it might be important. So, yeah, I, I could see it going either way. Interesting. I mean, and by the way, I do agree with you. I think I, I say this all the time is the bread and cir- people are so distracted with the bread and circuses. Like they just, you know, like uh, I think it was on the part it was on a natalie burnell podcast uh and she asked sailor uh what keeps you up at night and then his response was people just don't care about sound money and you know and i i, I kind of you know and i know this is kind of bitcoin related but it kind of applies to this uh i think people love convenience you know like i think i think they just love convenience and you know i think the the it, it's it's just it Bitcoiners is like, no, you know, like I would rather run my own node. I'd rather do my own thing, have my, you know, have my own information. Fuck that. Hold my own private keys. But the vast majority of people, especially in the developed world, um, (laughs) they're like, what? There's that famous meme of like of of the guy like cooking on the barbecue. And then they're like, they tell him like, look, the broken, the money's broken. And the guy like looks and he's like, that's interesting. Did you see the game on Sunday? Um, and that just kind of like remind, like it just kind of gives me, uh, like it perfectly represents what I feel like is happening in the developed world where convenience is, is, is king. Uh, people are so comfortable. There's a lot of wealth, obviously in the developing world, you know, you pitch someone on Bitcoin or you pick, you pitch someone. They get it instantly. Uh, yeah. It's instantaneous. They're like, yeah, where do I sign up? This there's a phenomenal idea. Um, so what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I think people are, are happy with convenience up into a certain point, and that certain point is, like, when they can no longer afford, like, groceries, and then they're like, what is what is going on? Like, why is everything so broken? So I think inflation is, like, this thing that I think is pushing people to start thinking about, like, you know, why why is this happening? And, and they start going down that hole, like, you know, what is money, and, you know, why is money getting devalued? And then you, they realize it's like, oh, it's a centralized, the centralized entity, aka the government, which is, like, actually printing more money and literally out of greed and like just to line their pockets and to line their, their buddy to like help out their buddies. And then they're like, and then they'll, they'll start to be like, well, this is not, this is not cool. This isn't fair. And, and that's where things start to get really scary because uh, yeah, things get, people get really angry. And so this is the thing that I'm, I'm obviously concerned about that is like the, the breakdown of civilization <laughs> when this things, when this happens. So it might get really ugly. Um, and maybe like, you know, this discussion of decentralized protocols is that probably won't be even that important because everyone will be like killing each other. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting to say the least. So, um, I, I, I kind of want to go back to the, the aspect of, I was saying, look, like we're reaching peak centralization you know, yeah, where the world's decentralizing, you're like, no, Nico, it could definitely get even worse. So 
I kind of want, because I haven't really heard that often, uh, heard that argument often. Maybe people have a more optimistic perspective because of Bitcoin. So, you know, just like, why do you say that? Like, why do you think things can get worse? Uh, I just think like, you know, it's, it's really, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm an optimist. Like, I, I kind of, you know, I would like to see that route. Like, you know, Bitcoin ha is this bulwark of freedom and, and free money that could sway the tide. And I, and I totally think that could happen. It's just, I can't say for sure, you know, who knows, right? Because, you know, the, the world is very complex and there could be these black swan events where it just pushes us into a, a darker area. So I, I think anything can go. I think the world's too complex to say like for sure that um, Bitcoin will save us. Interesting. Okay. All right. I like that. I like <laughs> that. And, and, and that also like kind of puts like a, like a, a, like a fire up everyone's ass, right? Uh, you know, because they take it a lot more seriously, so to speak, because, you know... Just uh, don't take it for granted. Like, obviously, this is a fight. Like, we're, we got to keep fighting and we got to keep pushing. And, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe that it's, it's going to be as simple as, as just, oh, well, we have it now and we're just going to, like, you know, stroll down into, happy, into a happy future. No, I think it's going to be con a continuous fight that we got to fight for. 100%. I, I completely agree. Uh, I, I, I just don't think they're just going to go gently into that good night and say, hey, guys, you found sound money. You found, uh, you know, decentralized social media that we can't censor and control the narratives on. We're just going to go gently into that good night. You guys won. Here are the keys. You know, I completely agree. That yeah, maybe because I'm, I'm bitter lately because of Apple. And I just realized, like, oh, this is this is me coming up against the, the existing power structures. And, you know, I struck a nerve. And I'm like, I just I'm like, OK, we have Zaps. We have the Zaps protocol. Obviously, like, you can't stop it. So, you know, Apple's just going to accept it. It's like, nope. I'm like, OK, so I guess we, we got to keep fighting for this. Um, if we want, you know, sovereign individuals to send, you know, lightning and Bitcoin to each other on Apple devices, like it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a fight. So, yeah. Um, so I, I, we, we were you were saying this earlier and got me like very excited because we so obviously we make content. We, we love value for value. Um, you know, shout out to the guys at Fountain. We're going to be on Geyser very, very quickly. Um, on Domus, it was, it was amazing. Geyser's <laughs> um, awesome, and they have good Nostra integration now. Which is um, awesome. Yeah, dude, so many people, so many people are are, are, are huge fans. I, I know Start Nine has like an app for for Nostra as well. Um, uh, but yeah, so I this idea of the value for value thing, right? Um, dude, you're making five five to ten Gs a month. I was until they asked the. <laughs> yeah, but obviously, dude, you created the app. <laughs> So yeah. like, you know, like that makes perfect sense. Like, you know, people want to support you, want to support your proof of work. But, you know, as a content creator and simply is like not to toot our own horn or anything, but in terms of Bitcoin channels, like we're pretty, we're pretty decent size for Bitcoin only content channel. Um, and the value for value doesn't come close to uh, the sponsorship model. Like currently the sponsorship model is what pays the bills. Um so I, I, in an ideal world, it'd be fucking amazing value for value, you know, because then uh, <laughs> that's just it's just awesome, you know, because this is just you're just being supported by your 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 viewers. And that'd be incredible. So here, uh, here's my here's my theory. Like, yeah. I think I think the reason why value for value isn't working is because it's not designed right. It's not designed correctly. So for the reason I what do I mean by this? Um, so, you know, in the early days of of of, um, of Domus, we we only had the, the the zap button on the profile. And to like get to it, you had to go to your profile and click it. And no one would ever do that, right? The minute we added the zap button to the post, basically the, 
this value for value revenue went through the roof. And I'm like, this was just one small design design decision that completely changed the way that people use the app. So I think that, you know, if we just slightly tweak, um, make it easier for people to zap, make it easier for people to actually do it. Um, a good example of this is like, there's a website called like Zap Stream, and you can actually do zaps in a live stream situation. Um, so that's just another example of like, just make it easier for people to support people and make it fun. Because if it's not fun or easy, then they're not going to zap you. Um, so anyway, so I think we're still early. Uh, I think the reason we're seeing the, yeah, the low zap revenue is just because it's not designed well yet. Interesting. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, 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 okay. So be it was a simple UI issue, right? Yeah. That which like which hundred x the amount the amount of people were zapping. Dude, that is freaking fascinating. Okay, that was so it was mind blowing for me when I'm like I'm like and that's when I knew when they when they told me that I'm gonna they're gonna have to remove no zaps. I'm like this is gonna kill zap revenue because it's just people love how easy it is. If you just that's make it easy, people point. do it. Yeah, that's the whole point. Like, and it's and it's so like it, I I remember like it was it was such a good feeling, bro. It was such a good feeling. You up yeah. like you 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 link your content. You, whatever and it's just like thousands of apps here and there and, you're and just you like, got that little the haptic feedback it feels good the it's like oh fucking feedback. It, it's like it's actually it's actually not about it's for, it's actually feels good for the person who is zapping that's the i think there's a psych psychological aspect of having like haptic feedback on a zap button it actually just feels good i don't like um yeah even if like yeah it's just crazy i actually there's something that um i discovered when i was when i removed the zap button so we have this feature in domus where um if a user turned on the only zaps mode in Domus, it would actually remove your like button for other people. And people got so angry when individuals had, if you were an individual and you chose that you don't want to be liked because you, you actually won't even see likes on your post if you turn if you turn on only zaps mode. And But the thing is this angered people who wanted to like their post, even if they would never see the like. They're like, I still want to zap it or I still want to like it. It's for me. It's I don't care if the other person doesn't see it. I'm like, I discovered something really deep about psychology of that day. It's like, it's not about, it's not for you. It's actually for them. They want to feel good about zapping. They want to feel good about liking. Um, and yeah, just make it, make it feel good for them and make it easy. And then people will do it. Dude, that is so freaking fascinating. Right? And that makes me a hundred times more optimistic. So <laughs> it was a UI problem. It was a, literally a UI problem. And it's so, so I guess you could say that psychologically we haven't cracked the nut, the nut yet. Here's another thing we can do. Like, I haven't even done this yet, but um, people have been asking for this. And, um, sometimes they people forget and not think about zapping your post. They, they maybe they want to, they want to support you, but maybe they're busy and they, they didn't get it, they didn't see the post or they didn't have time to zap it. Um, imagine if in Domus you could set up, and you can actually already do this in some Nostra clients. I think Snort Social does this. Imagine if you set up, okay, every time I zap, any, anytime I zap anyone, I want to actually send a proportion of those zaps to these people that I want to support. Um, so just make it automatic, make it easy, and then you know, you'll just start getting a passive income stream just from people zapping and using the app regularly. Um, so there's just stuff like that. It's a design decision and we can do it and it could just really drastically improve supporting people. Okay. So, wow, this is, I'm, I'm, this is fascinating. Okay. So, uh, do you think we'll ever get to a world where, um, so I know that the, I know that you guys have the image hosting natively through the app. Do we, do you think we'll ever get to a world where, we have a uh, video natively supported on the app as well. Uh, I think anytime you have like high bandwidth operations like video or audio um, and you want it to work well, you know, you're, you basically are forced to rely on centralized uh, solutions, but it doesn't mean you can't have 
decentralized centralized solutions in the sense that you maybe you could run your own CDN or your own video um, stream service. But um, yeah, it's 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 a little bit harder to do peer to peer. Those are use, those are typically peer to peer technologies, which Nostra isn't really peer to peer. So. Gotcha. So do you see, do you see a, you know, cause that's, that's the vision speak after speaking with, with Matt from start nine and whatever, do you, do you see this more decentralized world where people are, you know, for example, like from my start nine, I'm, I'm, I'm running an Oster relay, right? Like I'm, I'm doing that myself. Right. Um, so do you see this world of, of more and more individuals kind of running their own sovereign computing, sovereign server, uh, you know, and you can get kind of it, you can get kind of tricky with it because you can build that into a router and a router is basically already like a dedicated computer just, you know, plugged into your Ethernet port. You could definitely put like a little, you know, a, a low end server already there. That's also a Bitcoin node. I guess you know where I'm going with this. Right. Uh, do you see that world kind of developing or, you know, is that just a pipe? Is that just a pipe dream for us crazy Bitcoiners? Uh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people. I, I run a node, I run a mining node, I run a Bitcoin full node and I, you know, I have it on the internet, but it's not easy. It's not easy to set that up. Um, so I think most people are not going to do that. Just it, it's actually kind of hard to run network services on your home network. There's like, you know, ISPs really block a lot of ports and make it difficult. They sometimes they have dynamic ports. And so I, th- I think it's actually a pretty dis- difficult prospect for most people. But um, this is where Nostra actually works really well for a lot of people because you don't have to run anything. It just you just connect to a bunch of relays, and if those relays go down, it's fine because you're connected to more than one. Um, so that model just happens to be really easy for people, and I think that easiness is is, is a partial, uh, partially why. I mean, a big part of why uh, Domus and Nostra are, are successful um, are becoming more and more popular because you don't have to run a node. You know, I think Bitcoiners like. You know, because in Bitcoin, you have a specific reason to run a node. You know, you get to privately view your balances and your transactions without relying on a third party. And there's actually good reasons for that. But, um, you know, in Nostra, it's like, well, you know, all the conversation, all the conversations are mostly public. And so there's not too much incentive to run your own, whether, unless you're just like backing up your 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 stuff, which is actually really useful. I, I mean, I, I run my, a local backup as well. So, yeah, I know there's different reasons to run it. I don't, I don't know if you if there's a very strong reason to run an Oster relay except for backups. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, maybe one day, maybe one day just Domus just makes it easy to, to run. Maybe your phone becomes your node, right? Um, on, I feel like on Nostra, we're, we're more likely to be able to do that versus like a running a, like a Lightning or, or Bitcoin node, which is much, much harder. How much data is stored on a Nostra relay? Well, Nostra relays are just text, right? They're just JSON blobs, which can be stored very efficiently. Um, so, you know, I probably run one of the biggest Nostra relays, um, and I think it's up to like 300 to 400 gigabytes, only because like within the first couple months, I didn't have spam protection on. So like half of that's just spam. <laughs> now it has has uh, rate limiting and stuff, uh, but it's, it's very, very efficient with storage and you can uh, put a lot of stuff in it. Gotcha. Okay. So it's not like Bitcoin at all, just because it's text. Yeah. It's, well, yeah. And, you know, Bitcoin, it's, they're storing the, every, the world's transactions. And, you know, in, in, in your case, you could actually just run um, your own kind of private community and, and that would get low traffic and not need to st- not have huge storage requirements. It's not like you, and, and then and there's another thing we can do on Nostra, which is you can actually just like prune everything and not worry about maintaining states or anything. So, um, yeah, it's you. You have much more flexible options for reducing the size of your uh, your data. So you're talking about spam. Like, what do you mean spam? Like, uh, what is that? What does that mean? What does that entail? 
Yeah, so on if you're running a public relay, which means that hey, it's kind of like we're doing this for fun, and anyone can post messages. When you when you when you do that, like you don't need to do that. You can have paid relays, and people actually do have paid relays where you pay like ten thousand sats to to send a message. But if you want to make it easy for new people to get on, it's it's really helpful to have a public relay. Um, so whenever you, for instance, whenever whenever you join Domus, you can actually just create an account and start posting. You don't have to like. There's no sign up process. There's no email. There's no data collection. Um, so all you have to do is generate a private key, but that has a downside, which means that anyone can generate infinite number of private keys and, and spam your node and put, you know, advertising on it and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that's, if you don't have rate limiting on your, on your relay, then people can just spam it like at full speed, which is not good. Gotcha. Interesting. Interesting. So, um, in your eyes, William, uh, we have, you know, these two futures in front of us, right? I, we always say it on the Simply channel. Uh, you know, it's either Bitcoin or slavery. I definitely put Noster and Damas on the side of Bitcoin. Definitely put CBDCs and uh, X.com, Twitter, <laughs> what, uh, you know, all, all those centralized social media platforms definitely on the side of slavery. Uh, what is the future of social media in your eyes? Uh, if, if you, you know, if you were master of the world, uh, you know, how would you envision that world? Yeah, I think I think we're moving to, especially now that we have Nasser, we're moving to a world where social media is less about um, corporate, um, you know, money making schemes and advertisement. It's more, it's much more human. It's much more. Uh, it feels it feels better. I feel I feel like people on Nasser are just tend to be happier because they're freer. Like they, you actually feel free. You know that no one can censor you. You know that no one can deplatform you. Um, and actually, just that makes you feel really good. And because I think what happens a lot on social media is that people self-censor themselves because they're worried about being themselves. Because if they post the wrong photo or they say the wrong thing, then the, and, the, and that and, and if it's not um, corporate ad friendly, then you'll be removed. Or if, if someone else reports you, then you'll be removed. So there's so much self-censoring happening on these networks, and it's actually a very unnatural state. It feels very wrong. It feels very corrupted, and it feels very unhuman. Because people are just, you know, we want to just speak freely with each other. And we don't feel like we, you know, I don't know. So I feel like we're leading to a world where social media is much more human, much more, you know, connect, you know, much more local, much more community based, much more, less algorithms, less like mind control from like algorithms and advertising. So I don't know. I think, I think we're moving in a good future. I love that. And by the way, I feel I've, I've felt that 100%. I think like the first, uh, Noster things that I said were just like things that I knew that there was no possible way I was going to be able to say that on Twitter. Um, and uh, to my surprise, then I figured out that you can't delete stuff. <laughs> 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 so I was like, wait a second. Oops. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was interesting. But yes, I do 100 percent agree. You, you definitely feel a lot more free. Um, definitely feel a lot more free. Um do you think that there's, because I'm going to play the devil's advocate for a little bit, because, uh, you know, of course, as a Bitcoiner, you know, of someone who makes content, I, I think censorship is like literally a crime. But, you know, the other side would say, you know, one of their main talking points is hate speech, right? Like hate speech, this hate speech, that, uh, you know, terrorists, drugs, you know, non-KYC bad people, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What would be your response to that? I mean, I always say like information wants to be free, you know, in, in the sense like why we don't apply the same standards to like, let's say websites, for instance, you know, anyone can start a website and put their hate stuff on there. Like, you know, 
or you know i guess you know alex jones was censored off info you know there's but he has his own website infowars and you can go there and you know so even if you don't like his speech you know there's a place on the internet where you you, you know you can you can be free so why do we um why do we have different standards when it comes to social networking versus the internet like you know the internet on the internet information wants to be free and if you want to control or center that then you know it's just not the place for it um, so that's how I that's how I view Nostra is that it's just a different world and it's, it's a different reality that people need to accept. Um, it, it you know because it's not a centralized solution. There's not a single place where you can go. There's not a trust and safety team that can you can go to and say you need to remove this content. So it's just a new reality and just I think people just need to live with it. And what what are the consequences of that new reality? I have I have my own like I I think it's a forcing function just like the self censorship. Just so that you don't want to be like want to be deplatformed is a forcing function. I think the mere fact of not being able to deplatform certain speech, in my opinion, it's a forcing function in the sense that it will actually force people to tell the truth in the long run uh, because they can't just take away anything that they, you know, that makes them look bad. You know, talking about politicians, right? Um, so I think in the long run, it it kind of kind of forces people to, you know, tell the truth and have integrity and be honest about things, you know, it, com it, it completely gets rid of the people who rely on censorship to, to win arguments. So mm -hmm. it kind of elevates um, the argument. So now, now you have to use ideas to fight an argument and, and the best ideas have to win because you no longer have this like slimy trick where you can just deplatform someone to, to win an argument. Um, so I think, I think it's going to improve discourse. It's going to make, you know, people be more honest and, and especially with that feature, like you said, um, you know, you can't delete stuff. Well, you can technically delete stuff, but it's, it can't, but it's not guaranteed. Right. So in mm -hmm. it, basically you can't delete stuff. Um, so it, it actually increases the amount of integrity on the network in the sense that you know that you can't just be slimy and say something rude and then be able to delete it. It's like, you actually have to stand for your speech and it makes people think twice when they're, when they're sending a message into the, into cyberspace. Cause like they'll know it'll be there for, and, and you, you know, it's out there, right? It's information. Yeah, so let's talk about something else that, you know, uh, also I've had a, a little bit of experience making content, which is copyright, um, you know, and uh, obviously you're saying that most of most of stuff, not all of the stuff is, is text based, but you could still say that some text is copyrighted. Um, and I, I it, like the whole copyright thing on the Internet is such a giant clusterfuck, to be perfectly <laughs> frank. Um, you know, they've, they've built in systems where, you know, it's, it's automatic and they'll just generally just scan everything. They'll see if it has a copyright, but it sounds like, uh, because of these decentralized social media platforms, uh, you know, a copyright is going to be very, very difficult to enforce, uh, if not impossible to enforce. <laughs> um, so I think that's one of the unintended consequences of, of, you know, of, of this. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that Nostra is a text-based protocol because the fight of of copy or um, copyright in terms of like media and like movies and images and things like that, I think that's a much bigger fight. And, and obviously, there's protocols that are are better at getting around that, such as BitTorrent and things like that. So, um, yeah, so I'm just I'm happy that I don't have to fight those battles because there are people who. Because um, imagine if, if Nostra stored images and people start uploading illegal images like child porn and things like that, um, and that would just instantly kill relays, right? So it's actually really important that um, that's not in Nostra's fight because I think the more important fight is free speech and we need to focus on that. Uh, but the copyright issue is like not something that's typically dealt with because it's yeah because of the text, right? So 
Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. So d- what, you're, what you're saying is that it doesn't really apply to the Noster, uh, the Domus or the Noster pro- protocol. So to yeah, speak. I mean, people could start publishing like eBooks or something. That would be interesting. Um, but then it's like, yeah, then you'd have to start. But typically the note sizes are so like they're restricted. So you can't put too many things into a single note. I think the max size on a lot of relays is like a hundred kilobytes. Um, so it'd be, it'd be very inefficient and, and kind of dumb to do that. Gotcha. All right. Well, I want to use the last uh, couple minutes or so to talk about any hidden features or any future things that you have on the Domus roadmap that, uh, you know, that you can reveal to the audience today listening. Yeah. I mean, just, I think we're going to bring notes apps back with, uh, if, if this actually works, if this, this thing that current is doing, um, you know, with having an in-app purchase that purchases sats, I need to figure out how I'm going to do that. Maybe I'll just have, have my node like send sats to people through Apple Pay somehow. But, you know, I think notes apps coming back is going to be a thing in the future. Um, I'm, I've been working hard on this, the Nostra DB, which is new engine, which is going to be much more efficient at syncing and potentially even make Domus a more of a peer-to-peer um, Nostra app, which would be really cool. Because imagine if you can just sync notes between your phones. Um, yeah, there's there's so much stuff. Like I want to... And I'm a big fan of like stories on, on Instagram. Like I, I don't want to use Instagram anymore. The only reason I use Instagram is, is stories. So I want to add stories, uh, maybe like a profile grid of images. Yeah, there's literally, it's like limitless, the things we can add and we just make it better and better. And um, so expect all the, of all those things in, in, in the near future. So. Man, that's, that's really exciting. And I, I, I really think that, you know, this will shine uh, the more they censor. Um, and in countries where, you know, the, the powers that be are not a fan of free speech, I think, you know, apps like these are just like, dude, like, or protocols better said, like they're essential for human communication, freedom of speech. Um, anyways, William, uh, it's been quite an honor and a privilege to have you on the show today. Uh, huge fan of what you've created. Uh, obviously the community is as well. It's been extremely well received, and uh, thank you so much for coming on Simply Bitcoin today. This was an awesome chat. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Appreciate it, man. So why don't you tell everybody on the interwebs listening uh, where they could find <clears throat> you specifically and where they could find uh, more info about Domus and stuff? Yeah, I'm actually mostly only post on Nostra these days. So if you go into a Nostra client and type in jb55 at jb55.com, that's my Nostra address. Um, so you can find me there. And uh, yeah, I have a website, jb55.com, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's where you'll find me. Awesome, dude. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to put you backstage for a sec. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Simply Bitcoin IRL. If you enjoyed the show, you know what to do. Smash that like button. Consider subscribing if you feel like we provided you value. And we'll see you tomorrow for a brand new episode of Simply Bitcoin Live at 12.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Peace out, y'all.